and God sets people up this way. Nathan came to meet David. He said, David, he said, yes. God went to judge him. But God won't judge you by his own word. He will make you say it so that you are the one that judges yourself. He said, come, David. He said, yes. He said, there was a rich man in a city. He had a very small, um, a poor man. All he had was one small kid here. And this rich man that had all these riches decided that that small thing is what he wanted. What should happen to this rich man? Ah! David said, what are you saying? He said, he mustn't see the next day. He said, eh. He said, yes. He said, you are that man. So what happens is, before the judgment comes, God will make you say things. So maybe a member of your staff comes to meet you and says, sir, this thing happened in my home. You say, eh. He did that. Very silly guy. Don't worry. I will deal with him. As you are saying, I will deal with him. God says, you are giving me permission to deal with you. Do you get what I'm saying there? Yeah. And so it is important, all right? That's why we must constantly, all right? You will treat your parents wrong if you don't thank God for what they contributed into your life, all right? Uh, you say, I don't, I don't, I don't like you. I didn't, I, didn't talk to them for, for, I didn't talk to them for two years. You didn't talk to them for two years. You didn't talk to them for two years. It's not because they hate me. They hate you. If they hated you, you won't be educated. When you didn't know about education, they invested all their resources, sacrificed so that you will have an education, changed things. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So you must call to remembrance, all right, things that have been done. All right, so spend time thanking God. Okay, then, uh, all right, quickly, uh, next thing you've got to do, if I get into two things, I will say today. All right, next thing you've got to do is you have to understand that in prayer. So please spend time thanking God. God is going to bring a lot of things, all right, through people to you. And you must remember that there might be people in your past who were once helpful, but things got sir, all right, call to remembrance, all right, that and at least thank God and develop that perspective towards them not from the crisis or the conflict. Forgive, let go of it, and go back so that your, I, I, I want you to see this in the spirit, your life is saturated with, with the consciousness of goodness coming from people. Do you get what I'm saying here? Not that people treat you wrongly and people are bad because if you have that kind of, of consciousness there, then you draw that kind of thing into your own life. So you saturate yourself with people um, sacrifice for you, they're good for you, towards you, and all of that. That's the kind of mindset that you should have because a lot of things are going to come into your life, all right, through people, okay? Then next thing we need to understand is this. When you pray, don't try to do it. God is the one who promised you. He is the one that will get the job done. He didn't say you should do it. He said he will do it. Faithful is he that promised he shall perform. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. Therefore, in the area of performance, God is the aggressor. Now, this is where a lot of times people miss it. And let me explain what we mean by this. All right? Jesus said your business is to believe you have received it in prayer God's business is to make sure you have it. When Jesus crossed the fig tree, he spoke to the fig tree and he left. All right? Spoke there to the fig tree and left. He didn't try to make the fig tree wither away. Right? He simply spoke to the fig tree and left. So what you've got to do there is to believe that you receive. 
All right, they asked Jesus, what work must we do to do the works of God? Which means to have the manifestation and the power of God operational in my life. Jesus said, this is the work that you should do. Believe. Now, what did he mean by that? You know, in the book of Hebrews, it says, labor to enter into rest, so you don't fall after the same example of unbelief. Labor to enter into rest, so you don't fall. Which means there is a work to eliminate unbelief from your heart and then to completely believe that what God has said to you, all right, is done. And that takes the labor. Now, you are not laboring. God didn't say labor to enter into the promise. He said labor to enter into rest. Listen, he didn't say labor to enter into the promise. He's saying, I will get you into the promise. What I want for you is for you to enter into rest, which means you are, have left the state of any form of anxiety, worry, or agitation concerning that particular thing, you are at rest. Now, what do we mean by rest? Let me use a story, all right, to depict this. And it was a woman that came to meet Kenneth Hagin, for prayers for her son, all right? So we understand what it means to enter into rest. Uh, because when you enter into rest, you cease from your own works. Uh, you, you are no longer doing things independent. You, you, you cease from your works. People come and suggest things. No, you have ceased from all of that. And you are waiting until the earth, all right, brings forth something. And when the earth brings it out, all right, so you don't subject yourself to suggestions, the earth brings it, that's why you don't tell people so that they don't start suggesting and asking and cause more agitation, all right, because some people just keep asking you and asking you and they themselves create the anxiety by asking you and asking you and asking you and you just can't enter into rest, right, because once you get into rest, then the earth will create the opportunity for the manifestation of that thing. Something will come out, all right, you will meet with somebody or, or some door will be opened somewhere for you to enter into it or you will see something, right? So what does it mean to enter into rest? This woman went to meet Kenneth Hagin and said she had been praying about her son and that he, 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 was, he was, had gone on drugs and done things, would go out at night and, you know, she's a Christian, she wanted him, you know, to live right and all of that. And she's been praying that could he pray with her. And he said, look, if I pray with you, this is just going to be a twinkle, twinkle, little star. It's not going to work because with your own words, you are creating that situation in your home. All right? So he told her, this is what you need to do. All right? Every day. You think about your son. He goes out at night. Oh, you are disturbed. All right? Declare. And she got these words. I surround my, faith, my son with faith and love. I declare that he will not wind up in jail, which is what she thought would happen. I declare that he will not be found dead. I say in the name of Jesus. All right? The things she had seen concerning him, it will end up being a good citizen. And she kept saying that. All right? So a year later, the boy was with her. And they were talking to Kenneth Hagin. And I said, so what happened? She said, let me tell you what happened. She said, at the beginning, it was difficult because what I used to do was that I would pray, and this is what people do many times, pray and pray, and then he would go out, and then I would struggle with him. Why are you going out? Why are you going out? Don't do this. Don't do this. And he would struggle. I'm going out. and slam the door, and then I would cry and cry, and every time get myself together and be praying and praying and walking and praying and praying and praying. Now, that's all anxiety. He said, so what I started doing was that I said it was difficult at first, all right? I, I had to let go of him. I had to leave him and allow God to do the work. So I was working on my own self to believe on the inside and enter into rest. 
that what God had shown me concerning him was what was going to happen. So I started saying, I surround him with faith and love. He said, then he will go out at night, and I will go on my bed and be tossing and turning. He said, and I'll be repeating it. I surround him with faith and love. I surround him with faith and love and declare those things. Now, it was difficult at first. It was difficult. It was. said, but after some time, something happened. I was no longer disturbed. He will get up and say, I'm going out, and I will, I will, I will, I won't, nothing will move on the inside. She had entered into rest. Then God can start moving which means he can start moving now wherever she goes. All right, he goes. And then she said, I started saying that. And then I got my balance back. And what started happening was she started demonstrating love because of the fight. You know, people are trying to change people. You are so much in the fight that things you should even do to show that you love that person, you are not even doing it again, which means there's no, the context of your relationship is fight now. All right, because you're trying to get him. All right, my, my husband must stop drinking, and you are fighting, grabbing the bottle, and you, you, you know that's all that is, governs your consciousness in relationship to him. Little things that you can do that can touch him, break him, all right, and make him respond to you. You are not even seeing that because everything is about you are wrong and I'm right. So she said she broke out of that place, entered into peace and quietness. And then she realized that when he comes back in the morning, he has no food, so she will prepare breakfast for him. She started doing things. and that she, uh, she said one day, it was a Sunday, or a morning. He had just come back. And now he came back in the morning and entered the house. And she said she was making breakfast, getting ready to go to church. And he came and said, yeah, mom, he said what? He said, now, um, what time is that service again you've been trying to invite me for? She said she was so settled with it that she had even forgotten that this is the prayer I've been praying that finally has been answered. And she turned around and said, no, 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 I don't think you should go to church today. You just came back from out. Go and sleep. All right? Now, now that shows you had entered rest. All right? Do you go and sleep? Now, let me tell you what God is doing there. The reason why God allowed that to happen was he knew that that pastor said, you go and sleep. Don't come. The boy insisted I'm coming. The boy insisted I'm coming. All right? And followed her to church. Now, if you are the one that forces the boy to come to church, let me just show you. You must follow me. And then he sits down. And the pastor starts preaching. And even goes into areas that will affect his life, he already thinks you told the pastor about him. All right? And because of the manipulative tendency, you know, as the pastor is preaching, you'll be saying, uh huh, mm hmm, mm hmm, uh huh. You'll be looking at him, the message is gone. Are you following saying, yeah? Because he's all shrouded in manipulation. But when he said, you know, I want to go, he said, no, don't go, don't go. And he was the one that struggled and said, come. Sat down there that service, it said the pastor preached exactly what he needed. He came down the aisle, gave his life to Christ. But before God could move, she had to cease from her works. All right? Seizing from her works doesn't mean that she became irresponsible. It means she believed that she had received it and it was settled. So you couldn't tempt her, all right, into doing, all right, anything on the outside. It was just waiting for the earth to cause that salvation to come forth. All right, so we believe, all right, that we receive. And then we get into the place of prayer. So our heart and mouth agree, and that's what Jesus was saying. He said, if your heart and your mouth agree, if you believe you have received something when you pray, you are going to have it. Which means, when are you going to have it when you believe you have received it? In Mark eleven twenty four. But he showed us what it means to believe you have received in Mark eleven twenty three. He said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he is saying shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. In other words, you believe you have received when you say it, and your heart and your mouth are in perfect agreement, and there's harmony or what they call peace. 
That's kingdom peace. Agreement between everything that is in you is an agreement concerning that thing. You say it and it enters into your heart and it is, all right, established. He says, you shall have it. So you go into the place of prayer, all right, with that type of consciousness. Now, let me just say two things here as we close here. All right, first thing is this, and I want to talk about the way you treat people and also that what the angels do is that they bring information. So what happens is once you start praying and there's that agreement, angelic activity starts. Now, many a times because we don't understand how angels operate, uh, we do have angelic visitations where they show us things, uh, where they bring information because what the angels principally are doing is bringing information to you. All right, and we are closed in our minds, so we don't see it. And we've not been taught on how to open our minds to this. Uh, why do you think uh, Paul will say, be hospitable to strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares? In other words, angels come and you are not conscious of the fact that this is an angelic operation. All right, so you have to keep your mind open once you start praying this way. Uh, and you've got to understand, right, information will come to you, packets of information that you might even find counterintuitive, which means, you know, it's not, first of all, this, this is not how you do your stuff. It's different, but uh, this is the information that, will, that, that you need. And between I believe, I receive, and you get the manifestation, there are going to be adjustments that you're going to make based on the information that those angels will bring. You know, of recent, I've, been, I've always loved her, all right, I feel... She was a, I, I actually feel that uh, Margaret Thatcher, right, was the one that won the Iraq war and not, and not George Bush. In fact, when the Iraq war happened, it was Margaret Thatcher that told George Bush that, listen, we have to go into Kuwait, that you cannot. America, we have to go in. And I think the reason why she made that decision, she was prepared for it. Because the minute Falkland War happened and Argentina invaded Falkland, that's why you have to look at the bigger picture and love unintended consequences in leadership. The minute it happened, there's what you call a copycat behavior. The minute Argentina entered Falkland, everybody could know that we could invade other things that are smaller than us. So she said, we have to get them out of this place or else a pattern will develop. So shortly after that, Saddam Hussein went also into Kuwait and said, this is the same game, we must get them out. But, so I, I like her a lot, and so I was listening to a documentary on how she got to power. And you know, you know that's why you, you have to be open, because sometimes things happen and opportunities come your way, and because you don't know how opportunities come and how doors are opened, you don't even know that God is visiting you. You know, the Bible says, it says you should... Keep the fire burning or the light burning, watching for Jesus who will come and knock on the door. And I just discovered how she became, you know, prime minister. The truth about the matter was that it was by chance. In fact, they had interviewed her in 1973 as to whether, because she was the second woman to ever be nominated into a cabinet in England, and they asked her, was there a chance she would ever become prime minister? She said, not only is there no chance for me to become prime minister, I do not believe any woman will ever in my lifetime become a leader of any of the nations, Western world, which means France, yeah, Germany said, we will just not get there. Three years after that, all right, she became leader of conservative party. But what happened? All right, what happened was, in the way they have their own system, if they have a problem, you can ask. 
for a vote of confidence on the present leader of your party. And if you change the leader of your party, automatically if your party is in majority, the, the leader of the party becomes the new prime minister. So something happened. And they said, look, this leader of the party, let's take him for a vote of, and they were going to go for an internal election in the conservative party. Now, there were about three other people who were, who were the forces to replace, all right, this particular man, which was, I think, Heath, all right, Mr. Heath, to replace him, but because of their loyalty to him, they decided they were not going to run. I'm going somewhere. So Margaret Thatcher said, well, if nobody's going to run, this man shouldn't go back, all right? He shouldn't go back. She just saw the chance. She shouldn't go back without any contest. So she put herself up and announced that I'll run. And so what happened was there was somebody in the government that did not like that prime minister. So he went to meet the chairman of the party and said, you know what? Maybe Thatcher will be good. And he said, look, she won't be able to make it. So six of them decided we'll plan, build a strategy to, to do something, to try to get her elected. So what did they do? They came together and now told all the hench guys, the real solid guys, that look, Margaret Thatcher can't win. We know that. However, you know, if we go for the first ballot and the margins are not too far off, then we're going to go for a second ballot. So let's push Margaret Thatcher so she's at least close. So we go into a second ballot. In the second ballot, you guys can now come out because then your loyalty can be broken. There's nothing like that. It's a second ballot. You can come out and then one of you will become prime minister. So they bought the idea and told their people, go and vote for Margaret Thatcher. They got there and Margaret Thatcher won by 11 votes. So what happened was there was now a second ballot. And in the second ballot, all right, the people said momentum she had sold the idea so much that they forgot about those other guys and followed, and she won by 67 votes. What I'm trying to say is that opportunities come in ways that if you don't understand how they come, I mean, somebody told me in this church, she said she got a job in, in, in Holland, and she said, Pastor, it was quantum leap testimony. She said, January 27th, you were teaching on Quantum Leap. We got home. My husband, there was a job opportunity in Amsterdam, and I looked at it, and I said to myself, Amsterdam, let's go on. My husband said, why don't you try it? He said, try what? Look, let's forget about it. He said, well, try. I went to hear Quantum Leap. We are singing Quantum Leap in church. My yeah, of the Quantum. Let's try and leap. And she said, no. Well, she just attempted. Next thing, they called, they told her to go on an interview. She did it online. Scaled first one. Second one, she scaled it. And then, next they said, third and final interview, come to Amsterdam, tried visa first time, they refused, she fasted, prayed second time, they refused, confessed, 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 but you know, angels are always at work. So a thought came to her, you have an American visa, why don't you just ask them if you can do the interview in America? She asked them, said yes, go to Silicon Valley, you can do it, we have an office there. So she got there, and they took her. She said, then the Dutch people gave her the visa. And she said, now we're, I think they went last week or something. Said, now we're relocating and we're going, all right, you can take up that job. And she said, you know what? If I didn't attempt it, I will never have, I'll just have sat down there. So many times when we say angels come, they just whisper something to you. You look and something pops. And your old mindset that made you where you are. You get what I'm saying here? Which means you must have a new mindset here. All right? And so this is the point I'm getting to. When Margaret Thatcher finally was going to contest for prime minister, I mean, she had to make several adjustments. Even the pitch of her voice, she had to tone it down. The way she dressed, she had to change it. All the flowery stuff she was wearing, they said, give up all this. Wear black. 
ash gray, navy blue. Show, all right? This is the only way a woman can win. And she kept adjusting with what they were saying. The problem with Christians is that we believe we have received, but we will refuse any adjustment. It is as we are, God should come and meet us. Are you following what I'm saying here? And to get to anything, angels, all right, must begin, all right, come in and they give you rare information. Somebody suggests something. Somebody says something, all right? Somebody, you know, and you begin to pick and take this. I mean, I remember she said this when we decided to reset our relationship with Soviet Union, and that's how they cracked the Soviet Union. She said some of her assistants, her deputy prime minister just said, let's reset our program. I said, okay, this is the way we're going to do it. Let's get eight professors from Cambridge, Oxford, that will tell us who have spent all their life studying the Soviet Union that will give us what to do. So they went into holding place with those professors, and the professors were there. And when she was saying it, I remember that. One of the speakers, what's his name now? The vice chancellor of... Um, Benson Nadahosa University. He had said, anytime America wants to change and do things, they get the academic people into a room to tell them where the next thing is. So I saw that it's the same thing he said. You saw that in this country, we don't listen. You know, that can, that's, the, that's an angel telling Nigeria, this is the way to do it, but we just don't hear, right? And she brought them from Cambridge, Oxford. And you know what they told her? They said, look at the hierarchy of Soviet Union. First layer of leadership. They told them this man is 78, 82. They, they described the disease each one had and the amount of time they had on the earth. And then they told her, there's somebody in that system that is young and we believe he will become Soviet Union president in 10 years. His name is Gorbachev. That is the man you should develop a relationship with. She wrote an invitation to Gorbachev to come to down streets there. That's how she developed the relationship that they used to crack the Soviet Union. I'm saying they have what is called insider information. You can't do things, great things, with the same mindset. Do you get what I'm saying here? So the angels, and that's what they came to me, Daniel. They said, we have come to give you, all right, wisdom and understanding there. And these things don't just, you know, they, they don't drop from heaven, all right? In some cases, yes, they don't drop. They come through men. They come through you connecting the dots. You getting a book and seeing things in between the lines. You switching on the television and seeing things, hearing things. Uh, and information begins, but your mind has to be open because once the student is ready, then the teacher shows up. Once you've opened up yourself and said, well, I'm going to find a new way to look at life, I'm going to, and you open up yourself, then that kind of information flow begins to come and the angels begin, all right, to, to get things across to you and say things. Uh, you might even be driving, and that's what happened to Solomon, and he looked out and he got communication from it, a little... So you see all that place that is overgrown? A little folding of hands to sleep, that's how poverty comes. The same way that garden is unkept is the principle through which poverty happens in life. He took him to ants. He said, you see how the ants operate? That is the formation you should introduce into your life. And so the angels begin to open up things, all right, and communicate very powerful things, all right, to you. So stay in prayer there. Keep yourself open. Take hold of instruction. It is your life. Right, most important part of this message is this. In answer to prayer, the angels that are coming are ascending and descending over your life with pockets of information to bring about a change and a reformation in things that you are doing so that what you have believed, declared, will come to pass. So the adjustments are being made. 
And once you are pursuing anything, and you are praising God every day for the fulfillment of it, and you submit yourself to the adjustment, you submit yourself to new information, you submit. Now, you are not just pushing with the old stuff. You are holding to your dream, but you know that you need to get educated. And you're submitting yourself to the adjustments that need to be made. You cannot fail. Once you are praising him, rejoicing in the fulfillment of it, and submitting yourself to the education of the road, you cannot fail. So what happens is, as you grow, all right, changes begin to happen in your mind with the information you receive, and through that, you are able to do more. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. By the power of your spirit, I ask that you allow this truth to take deep root on the inside and also find full expression within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening.